I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. What's up, broken people? We're back today. I'm Felina. And this is Summer. And today um, we have a wonderful woman. She's an artist and an author, and she publishes under the name of Dark Sky Lady. Her bio says she's a multi-ethnic creative female that spouts nonsense that occasionally makes sense. <laughs> oh my God. I like it. And so normally we do an intro before we bring the guests on, but I wanted to bring you on before we talk about what I have to rant about today, and then we'll go into your, <laughs> into your personal stuff. Oh, I didn't know there was going to be a rant. There, there's going to be a rant, because you know I love those. Um, <laughs> so, but before we do that, can you tell us what is your ethnic makeup? Um, Based on what my family has told me, we're, we're not very close, but I am, okay, brace yourself, I am Black, Norwegian, Apache, Cherokee, French, German, and Puerto Rican. Nice. Quite the combo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's it's beautiful. <laughs> That's a lot. I am everywhere. All over the place, right? Okay. So, and of course, I'm Native, as you know, and Felina is a Mexican yes. woman, right? Yeah, I'm well, And I'm what half, else on the other side? Uh, yeah, my dad is technically a mestizo. I mean, okay. he's like that, that perfect definition. My grandfather was a Spaniard. My grandmother was an Aztec Indian. Okay. And so he's a mestizo, um, which is essentially a Mexican. Uh, and then on my mom's side, uh, she's Dutch Irish. Dutch Irish. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and probably some other stuff. Right. Like European right descent stuff because she was very white <laughs> yeah okay uh my grandmother my mom's side looks very white <laughs> she's from norway mm-hmm. um okay. my dad's family from ponce in puerto rico oh i That's know where ponce is i've been from. there <laughs> yeah ponce is beautiful okay so I'm tired, y'all. I'm just so tired. <laughs> well, you're going to rant. And that's where I'm going to rant about because I'm just exhausted with it. Like, I don't even have the energy to get angry anymore because fall is always hard. Anyway, <laughs> for Native folks, because you've got Columbus Day, you've got Halloween, and you've got Thanksgiving. And so it's like a constant barrage of racist imagery <laughs> that we just can't deal with. And... um I'm just tired. <laughs> Cause, okay, and I've been doing panels because now we're into Native American Heritage Month mm-hmm. um, in November. So I've been doing panels too. So I've been fielding questions. And, and of course, I get people contacting me on social media and everything, asking questions about this. And then, of course, the wonderful white supremacists like to hunt us down, which is fun. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. The costumes. I, and the costumes is what I'm just tired yes because i mean we've got the megan kelly comments which is why i wanted to wait (laughs) wait for you um is we've got the megan kelly comments about how blackface is acceptable and we've got the teachers out of where was it idaho who dressed like mexican stereotypes yes yes and then of course we've got the typical we always have the native costumes so what do you ladies think about this because i'm so done (laughs) Like, why? Um, <laughs> the, I, why are people doing backflips to act like this is okay? Like, just own your racist I, shit. I think it's just, again, it, I see it all the time. I see this disconnect when you try and explain to, especially for white people, when you try and explain why something is racist or why something isn't okay, they they don't see, honestly, where we're coming from. It's like It's like we're not really there. There's no, there's no relatability between us. Because um, it's not impacting and, them. Yeah, it, because it's not impacting them, and then, and and and, and, and to extend it's even worse because while I mean anyone can tell me any experience they've had, I'm very very open. It may sound out of left field. Someone can tell me they got punched by a ghost, and I will say that that's your experience. Okay, uh-huh. you, got, you got punched by a spirit. All right, that's your experience. But where we're willing to believe the experiences of white people. We don't get that back. They don't believe our experiences, or they think we're looking at it through a race lens. Like all of us have our race goggles on, and we're crying <laughs> out, racism, racism, every time we see it. Uh, have you read uh, So You Want to Talk About Race? No. I think she explains it really well when she starts talking about um, whether or not something's racist. She says, point blank, which I agree with, it is racist if a person of color says it's racist, or it's about race because no matter what when you're coming into a situation you're bringing your whiteness just like I'm bringing the fact that I'm a minority into the mix so no matter what we are going to meet in that dynamic you know I 
I've had this thought I'd like to share on this. Um, okay. I have had I have family members on my mom's side that are extremely white, mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't <laughs> and don't believe that you know race is an issue, and you know it's always and I I love my stepdad and I don't want him to be hurt by this, but like right. you know he he's one of them. You know that's like doesn't quite see it's so such a narrow minded. Um, closed off minded, not even narrow. Cause there's just like a lack of exposure to what it's actually like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so far removed that they just can't fathom. Like, cause he's such a good guy, right. but he literally just can't see it. And he's so well-intended and such has such a big heart and he just can't see it. And so I, I almost think it's willful blindness in some ways too. You know, because I don't want to examine their own privilege. Right. Uh, you know, but it's hard. That's hard. And to I do. like have such an immense amount of respect for men that are like, you know, successful white men who are like, yeah, I'm privileged. I see my privilege, and let me do something to help you, like in a genuine way. Like mm-hmm. that, my boss at my new firm, he sees that. Well, you know, good. and it's wonderful to have been hired because I'm Mexican and because they see value because they me. value that yeah That's they great. valued the diversity that was one of the first things they said when they interviewed me they were like you look different than us and we know that that's important and like and you're smart and you know that's great yeah and i don't think that that happens nearly enough and i feel so fortunate for that but like it's just in comparison of the two dichotomies of men that you know both my boss and my stepdad are prominent you know white men who come from prominent white families that, you know, had some money growing up and exposed them to different opportunities and, and whatnot. And they see things totally different. It, it's, I don't know. And there's so many layers of privilege that you just named right there. I'm sorry, I was no, kind of ranting too, but No, it like... is, but there's so many layers of privilege right there that they would have to dive through to try to sort through that. But and somehow some... my boss sees so the... it. Right, and, and somehow, so I don't you know... know how you can make that yeah, it's just, consistently be people be able to do that. I don't know. I don't know the difference between them that made them, you know, they come from essentially the same thing, but they see the world differently. I don't know. Um, I think it also comes from a lot of the time, because even for me, for a long time, I used to react to certain things, like get defensive, get upset, and it took, I didn't want to look at why I reacted the way that I did in certain situations. And it takes a lot for a person to start looking and going, before I react this way, why do I feel this way? Or when I see this commercial or when I see these people, why, do I, why does this thought pop into my head? Where is this coming from? Is this something that I was taught? When did I start thinking about these people in terms of this? Because, I mean... It's identifying your unconscious bias. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there's racism and there's a whole bunch of things in entire families. Like my, my grandmother, who passed away a few years back, very sweet lady very kind she used to drive me crazy because she was born again christian and (laughs) she would be the one where we would go to a fast food place and she would want to sit next to the homeless person who smells and i'm like grandma can we please as a child please grandma let's just move away she's like jesus loves you let me buy you something and i'm i'm just like god very sweet but she would say sometimes the most ignorant comments not necessarily about race Mm -hmm. because she dated outside of her race which is part of the reason why we're so mixed but she would say comments about gays like the whole thing with gays in the military she was saying it breaks my she would send me letters saying it breaks my heart that they're all gonna burn in hell and i'm like what wow (laughs) that's so bizarre you love them but they're going to hell like wow and everyone's guilty of it my my dad he's his family is puerto rican she would make comments to me about black people and i would just stare at him and go dad look at the hair I'm part black. You don't know this? What are you telling me right now? You realize that just because I'm not that dark, it doesn't mean I'm not part black, and you're kind of insulting me too. But he honestly didn't think he was saying anything wrong. Oh, yeah. He's like, no. oh, my God, they're bringing yeah. down the property value. They're moving in. Oh, God. Why are you? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. Yeah, my stepdad like forgets I'm Mexican. I'm like, oh, yeah. like, Does he make comments in front of you? Well, no, there. It's just more of an ignorance to them. Okay. You know, it's like anything. He doesn't relate at all when I try to bring it up. He's just like, what? Why? Why do you care? You know? And I'm like, cause I'm Mexican, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> reminder. Yeah, 
Oh, I yeah, hate that. You're yeah, not you. You're the exception. He doesn't ever say yes, anything. Yeah, I'm the exception to the rule. Yeah, he doesn't. And I mean, I'm fortunate. Like, you know, he doesn't ever say anything. I mean, it's like act. He just it, race just doesn't exist. It's just not a thing. I, you know, I was having a Twitter conversation this morning about colorblindness. Yeah. You know, the people who claim, and I'm like, that's a form of erasure. You're you're completely ignoring and denying part of that person's lived experience. Yeah. And, of course, the person I was talking to didn't get it. <laughs> I just finally just left it. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I said what I had to say. The, I'm done. <laughs> the piece I just wrote, I was thinking about that color blindness, and I, was, I, I, I wrote in there, I was like, if you're saying that you're colorblind, I mean, based on these studies, there was a study in Canada, University of Toronto and Scarborough. They did a study where they plugged these white people up to EEGs to watch the mirror neuron system to see how their brains fire when you see people complete mundane tasks. Since you yourself, you see yourself in the task, like if somebody's opening a door, like going down the steps, opening a book, you know, washing dishes, anything, your brain will fire as if you yourself are performing the task. What they noticed about white people was that when they saw someone outside of the race performing the task on the video, there was little to no activity, as if they they weren't even seeing anything. And I think that's part of where that disconnect comes from. They don't see our lived experiences. They don't see color. You're right, because you don't see us. You're invisible. You don't see us as individuals. We're not a homogenous society, and that seems just, like, that seems like that's what the the right, the, you know, <laughs> blind, the colorblind people want is a homogenous society. It is. And I think that's one thing that a lot of, that is a... I hate to use the word privilege because privilege almost sounds like a good thing um, <laughs> that a lot of white people have is they because you know it's a numbers game and then also um, the striations in class is that there is a big a large portion of the their population that is able to com- surround themselves exclusively with people that are like them and so yeah. they never develop that empathy for people that are different from them yeah Whereas minority people don't have that option because you're constantly surrounded by people who aren't like you and who have different experiences than you. Mm-hmm. Growing up, oh my God, I was surrounded by almost all white kids. Where did you grow up? And uh, we were. I was born in New York, but we moved to Florida when I was around five. Okay. And in the area that we lived in, it was like dirt road area near um near where the space shuttles would go up because during when they would have the space shuttles go up, they would take us outside to watch the space shuttles take off. Oh, that's kind of cool. I'm old enough to even have seen the Challenger explode on when I went outside oh, when wow. I was a kid. We saw it explode. And then our teachers were rushing us back inside and we were like, what's going on? Wow. <laughs> um, but because of that, I was the only kid that looked mixed. Mm. No one else in the school looked like me. And even my brother and sister to an extent because uh, what gave me away even more was the fact that I was the only child in the family that had the thick, kinky, break comb hair. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I've broken so many combs in my younger years. But my <laughs> sister and my brother had like the beautiful Spanish, like curly hair. Okay. They had the beautiful hair and I was just always looking at them like, why can't I, why can't I have that hair? <laughs> we always want what and we don't I, have. <laughs> Yes, that's tr- that is a hundred percent very true. So for uh, up until I think late in high school, like maybe senior year, by that point I'd gotten such a complex about my hair that I used to always just keep it back in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. And even then, people used to pick on me because they would be like, "When the wind blows, your ponytail doesn't move; it's stiff." So <laughs> I was like, "Oh you my god!" So I had like Brillo, Chia Pet. Oh my, oh my god. god! Yeah. Every time I walk by, they're like, "Chia." Ch- ch- Oh, 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 that's rough. I see it as funny now, especially when I see the commercials. I'm like, you know what? My hair does grow like that. It does sprout. <laughs> straight up. I get it. But now I'm like, that's a good thing. Yeah. My hair goes absolutely. Up. I like my brownness now, too. I was yes. one of like, you know, four brown girls in, I mean, there were a few other Mexican kids, uh, but not a lot. And my dad, like, he's a Mexican man, like, and put me in dance with all the white girls so that I could like, you know, and just quick story. Uh, <laughs> I held up a whole uh, Christmas dance recital at one point in time because I was the only brown girl. 
uh, and our mm. white leotards at 12 years old, my nipples showed through. Yes, they will. And so I oh, locked myself God. in the dressing room and held up the start of a Christmas Aww. recital for like an hour until one of the moms finally figured out what was going on. Because I lived up with my dad. Right. And he didn't know how to handle anything. <laughs> so I like to call these my ugly buddy moments that were formative of my character. And I'm grateful to have had them now. <laughs> See, I grew up in an area that was at the time still pretty segregated, right? Mm -hmm. So we had mostly large Choctaw population and then large white population, not a whole mm -hmm. lot of anything else. There's, mm -hmm. uh, at that time, there was a couple of Mexican families. Um, that's about it, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. And we didn't really have anybody else. <laughs> um, and I was one of only, I think, four? I think there were four of us light-skinned cousins, right? So, so it was always weird, a little weird and interesting. Um, so, you know, the cousins would give us a hard time about being white. And then the white kids did. <laughs> you were, you were just an Indian. So you didn't get to, you know, there wasn't too much crossover allowed there. Mm -hmm. And so I hated my curly hair because I was the oh. only one with the curly hair. <laughs> I like it now, yeah. but I hated it then because I want, I just wanted to look like my cousins. I just wanted to be named. Sarah or something like I did not want to be Felina I wanted to be Danielle or Sarah or Ashley not Felina not being sent to school for picture day in like a traditional Mexican garb you know like yes I'm the parent I'm the parent that would probably do that to my kids come on now I just want to be Ashley like my name I wanted to change it to princess Everybody had left, but there were four of us left. And my friend Sarah, because um, we'd spent the night, we'd all spent the night in this cabin. And she was getting ready to leave, and we we're checking the rooms and stuff. And she happens to somehow be standing in a room with the only three women, me included, that have hair like me. And she's got the nice, fine, straight hair. And she's like, Do one of y'all have a brush that I can use? Because I can't find mine. And we all look at each other and just start laughing. <laughs> and, she just, and she's like, What? It was so funny. It's like, you can't get a brush through any of our hair. Why would any of us yeah. have one? <laughs> and she had never thought of it because she's got the fine straight hair. <laughs> when I went natural, I got rid of my brush. The only thing I have is a very wide tooth comb mm -hmm. that I used to detangle my hair in the shower. Oh, yes. I only comb mine in the shower with the conditioner. Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. I'll be you bald otherwise. You have to do the conditioner <laughs> and the water to make that hair slick and dry finger to tangle a little. Because it is not easy, <laughs> and everyone when I find, when I first went natural, I, it wasn't very well received overall. When I first finally decided to go with my natural hair, how um, old were you? I remember uh, I was actually it took a long time. I was in my like uh, late twenties, early thirties when okay. I went natural. Um, a friend of mine had posted on Facebook a picture of a lady in the military, and she had her hair out beautiful big gorgeous hair and I was like wow she's she's amazing mm -hmm. like my hair used to do that maybe I should try and when I first went natural some of the reactions were I can give you tips on how to straighten it as if I don't know already know that from years of experience oh, I have wow. people go you know keratin I can refer you to a good place to get a keratin thing go over here and I'm no this is this is I like this and they're like oh you want it like that what does the yeah. keratin do? They, they, they were saying, the lady was like, it's keratin, it'll straighten your hair like smooth, like almost a Japanese straightening. Oh, okay, I've seen those treatments. Mm, yeah. No, okay. I don't think I want to do that. I don't need any of that. Thank you. <laughs> and she was like, you like your hair thick like that, because it's really big. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's so, why I like it. So it's were these big. people you knew, or are these strangers making comments? These were, 
Yes, these people oh already saw my hair straight, so I think it was just such a big change. And then some of them were like, "It doesn't look right." It so they're trying fit to you. steer you back to. <laughs> yeah, so my my partner at the time was asking me. He was like supportive, but you know, fake supportive kind of. He was like, "Oh, your hair looks so great." <laughs> so when are you gonna straighten it again? Oh wow. <laughs> Fuck that. It's so beautiful to see women, like, just own themselves. Like, the older I get, the more I own exactly who I am and the more I feel myself and feel more confident. And, like, that's a beautiful change. I love it. I want to see the picture. You have to send us a picture for the episode, so it needs to be of your hair. Uh, It's all all natural and beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, you know, my my younger daughter has... um, I don't know if you've seen a picture of her. Actually, Felina has. Um, as you know, my older daughter is mixed, but my younger daughter is black. And the foster home she was in before us, he um, does hair. I don't know what his title is, but he does hair anyway. Um, and, but apparently he's never worked on ethnic hair at all. So he didn't know what to do with it. He straightened that child's hair every single day that she lived with oh. him. And how old was she, was she at the time? She was five. No, four. She turned five right after we met, so she was four. Oh. Um, and he was straightening her hair right up until, I guess, um, a couple months before she moved in with me. And then he had started taking her um, to get braided. And it took years to get her to be okay with her natural hair. Yeah. Once you start doing it that early, yeah. She would, well, because he would make a big deal out of how beautiful she looked after he would straighten her hair. And, and, you know, he'd take her to the salon and he was doing at that time, like Miss Oklahoma's hair and all of this. And he was going to put her in modeling and pageants and all this stuff. And she's so beautiful. Yes. And it really, to this day, she's 10 now and it still creeps back up. Like Mm -hmm. when we were at therapy the other day, she asked me, why won't you, um, uh, why won't you straighten my hair? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> We're just not going to do that. Your hair is beautiful the way it is. And it's, it's wonderful to be who you are mm-hmm. because that did such a number. And she only lived with them for six months, but that did such a oh. number on her self image in that, you know, this whole, um, well, that period of time is so formative that, you know, mm-hmm. four to six age range. I mean, I've been to therapy I know that some of the things that happened to me during that brief period of time still affect me at 36, almost 37 years old. Like it's That's such true. a formative time when you are supposed to be your parents' number one and their opinion means everything to you. You know, mm. you, you know that that's the time when you're supposed to be the most reaffirming and reassuring because that's when your sense of security is developing at mm. that age. That's true. Yeah. When you don't get that, uh, my therapist calls it a narcissistic wound because you're Mm. constantly seeking that like approval that you didn't get from your parents at that particular time. It just creates a big wound that's difficult to heal. That's true. Yeah. And that's also when you're learn when you're learning empathy. Yes. So that's the thing with people don't you know you you were talking about that study earlier about how they're Mm -hmm. not even seeing the people that don't look like them. Because during that time, if you're not exposed to other people and you're not learning empathy and healthy attachments, you can't get that back once it's a mess. <laughs> you yeah. know, you yeah. just can't. Yeah. That's why I'm so adamant about us teaching children because I'm like, a lot of these adults are lost causes. <laughs> We've yes. got to focus on the kids. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I worked for the Center for Children and Families here in Norman. I mean, like, if you can, the cycle of abuse, like, oh, yeah. you have to stop it at the child's age, you know, like all the studies that they uh, had had reviewed uh, all said the same thing, you know, it has to be, you're going to have to just stop it at the child's age and, and go ahead and get them in therapy so they don't repeat the same patterns. But if you don't stop it as a child, your chances of right, cause it's breaking, extremely that, hard. Yeah, breaking that cycle outside yeah. of childhood is, is drops drastically and people end up uh, repeating the same patterns. So Right. And you said you work with children, right? And that yeah. you you, um, you try to teach them those um, things often. So what is it that you do yeah. in trying to help them understand? 
I usually I work with students private privately um, tutoring mm-hmm. um, them, but occasionally discussions in politics or different things come up. I remember one of my students. Uh, his, He's Spanish, um, but very, very light skin. Like, he has very white skin. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, and he was talking about how much he loves which one of those idiots. Which one is it? <laughs> There's the, so the many. YouTube, th- there's a lot of them. The YouTube idiot. The, the Suicide Forest guy. Oh, I don't remember I his don't name, Logan, but yes, I know. Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Okay. And he was talking about well, he how much someone he had committed a fan. suicide and videoed with it for his uh, YouTube likes. Yes. He he had a dead body in the video and was like laughing. Yes. And I was just like, wait, he, he's a wait, sociopath uh, wait, or a psychopath. Wait, yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I, this person was a fan of this guy. The student's this a kid. fan I, of this guy. I didn't know. Towards him, wants his merchandise. And he's like, my mom's going to buy me, like, the Maverick merchandise. And I'm like, Maverick? What is wrong with the, the, what is the mother? Maverick? <laughs> what that the actual like, fuck? I'm sorry. Mind, I'm like, why isn't the mom doing research on this? My mind is getting like, totally blown right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. You'd be okay. surprised. You'd be surprised how many parents <sighs> don't stay informed about what their child is doing. Usually, I let the parent know, like, 411, your child's into this. This ain't really it. You you need to keep an eye on this. And then they're like, whoa, I didn't know that. Thank you. And um, he's telling me how he loves him. And he's so so savage. They love that word. He's so savage. How is that a tricky word? How old is is this kid, this student? uh, He was fourth grade. Fourth grade. That's my daughter's age. Okay. Wow. And he was saying he's a fan. He can't wait to get the merch. And he was saying how he's white too. And I was like, No, you're 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 not white. And he was like, But look at my skin. I was like, Yeah, your skin is white, but you're Spanish. You're not white. Don't confuse the two. You are not white. You're you will pass for white, but you're not white. You're Spanish. And then he looked upset, and I was like, Why are you upset? There's nothing to be ashamed of with being Spanish. Spanish is beautiful. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And then I was like, you got, you like this guy? I was like, you know what he did? And he's like, oh, the suicide force and everything. I was like, how would you feel with a family member of yours if he made a video of that and laughed? And he was like, I'd hate it. I'd hate him. I was like, that's the point. You don't endorse when you're buying stuff from, from somebody and giving somebody or some group your money. You're basically saying that you're endorsing them, that you're okay with how they conduct their business and things that they do which is why you lead, you, you determine and you lead with your vote and your wallet. Where your money goes is at times more important even than voting because that's something you can affect daily. He was like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. But, you know, kids when they're young and especially with peer pressure and everyone else loves Logan Paul, I doubt he gets it at this time. But I keep talking to him whenever I can to try and help him to understand that, you know, there are certain people out there that aren't really good people to emulate or look up to. You shouldn't even look up to anybody, in my opinion, because that's a path to being let down. If you're going to look up to somebody, look up to somebody realistic in your own life, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah hero worship is a dangerous well, thing. Well, parents need to Very. be... Parents need to look be focused Trumpers. on, on setting a good Psychopath. example. I mean, I try to set a good example, and my definition of that may differ from other people's, right. but... Uh, I think Summer and I both have a good philosophy on that. But to, but to my big thing with her is to just love yourself, to learn to love yourself, okay. you know, as early as possible, and to be considerate of others. I demand that she be considerate. I get mad <laughs> whenever she is not saying thank you. Like, you know, she, I want her to understand the importance of, of that and, and of empathy and of caring for others. And she is, she's an empathetic little soul. It just boggles my mind that this student you're talking about is her age. Uh, that just my mind is blown right now. Right. I yeah, I, and the parent had no clue. So. What do you teach? Um, I tutor everything from pre-K all the way up to college. Uh, for pre-K to high school, it's like uh, English and math, and then for college, it's uh, intro to psych, Japanese. Um, English, English honors, not math. Once you hit college level, I'm I'm not I'm not the person to come <laughs> <you> for math. <laughs> Me either. 
even for a while, I wasn't the person to go to for math for junior high or high school, but as I kept tutoring and I liked working with students because I already, you know, after years of working and working in nine to five jobs, I realized I'm not the one to deal with bosses and office politics. I'm not a fan yeah, and I can't I... keep my mouth shut when I'm upset. Yeah. So, uh, so that's cool. So you're in business for yourself tutoring. Yep. I dig it. That's awesome. And so all your students, you know, they're getting, their parents are paying for this privately? Yeah, I work through an organization and I work privately. It's so, interesting. This kind oh. of, it's kind of cool that you're being, uh, these kids are being exposed to you. Right. If you think about it, like I would assume yeah. a lot of people who can afford that are going to be middle class, True. you know, mid to upper class white families. You see, uh, yeah, no, I mean, because I Privately, I usually don't charge that much. I gauge it based on how much the parent can afford. Nice. I don't that's like nice. to turn down clients. Yeah, that's good. Because of money. So I'll usually ask them, like, are you within uh, walking distance of me? Do I have to travel, like, on the transit, New York Transit, which is horrific most of the time? <laughs> and then I gauge the price by how long I may have to travel to get to the student and get back. Um, but I usually work within the parent's range I have I've, I've actually never turned down a parent because of finances that's awesome wow. um well I just I want to help you know you got to reach the the middle class white students who aren't being exposed yes. to a lot of ethnically diverse people yes you want to reach them but you also want to help your fellow people of color to Absolutely. do well in school too yeah. and the worst thing the thing I hate the most is when a kid's telling me that they're dumb they can't get it oh God, and that's heartbreaking. Like, don't say that. There's no such thing. You mm -hmm. just, and they're like, my teacher explains it and I don't get it. I'm like, your teacher is taking the path of least resistance. She has to teach an entire class. If she explains it in a way that at least 50% of the students get it, she's moving on. That's the way it fortunately has to be because usually they don't understand that teachers are given a set amount they have to cover within that semester. Yeah. So they can't stop and give that individual attention every time a student needs help. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily their fault. And that's where private tutoring comes in. I help reinforce what they're learning and I teach it in, I don't care how many ways I have to say it, different ways, I will say it a million different ways until you get it. And then I'll keep asking you, what is this? How do you do it? What steps do you do? What do you do first? Read the question. Now what do you do? Identify the steps. All right, now what do you do? Do step one. Then step two, then step three, then look for your answer. So you're helping them with that the process. thinking process yeah. as well, yeah. which is important. Yeah, yeah no, that, well, like, teaching kids to think for themselves is really valuable. <laughs> and I feel like we're moving yeah. further away from that, in, at least in public education. Oh, I don't yeah. have a lot of, I don't have any experience with private schools or anything like that, but public education mm -hmm. is definitely moving away from that. And I think we're seeing those results. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I stay here in Norman, because the schools here are actually not terrible about that. They mm -hmm. do teach you to think a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but they're still have, under such restrictions that right. you know, I feel like it falls on the parents a lot to teach your kids. I mean, it's my job to teach Sophia to think for herself. Yeah, like nobody else is going to do that. Right. And not all kids are going to have a parent that's engaged or cares, yeah. you know, about those things. Yeah, I mean... It's hard because some parents also, there are some parents who they're trying to do right by their kids, but especially for uh, a lot of minority families that I work with, their parents are working. Those parents mm -hmm. are very, very busy working full-time schedules and don't always have the time to give the attention that they need to the child. Yeah. It's more like, how was your day? That's how I feel you know? sometimes. I worry about and, that with my kids all the time. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm so busy. <laughs> yeah, and I do some of the things by choice, but I also have to do them to stay happy myself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. Mom, Mom guilt. Right, always. Men don't feel that way. Men don't feel guilty for <laughs> like, spending whatever. time doing the things that they enjoy and working on themselves, you know? Well, I think that's because they're socialized differently than we are. Yeah. They're not socialized, but that's their responsibility to worry about. They're... Yeah condition that they're entitled to do the things that make them happy and I hope that we are taught to feel guilty about that <laughs> I mean I feel glad sometimes I kick Sophia out of the living room I'm like I'm working on a song right now I'm doing something creative 
go do something creative on your own and she'll go make a youtube video on like a she's she's got a whole like series of youtube videos that she wants to upload and they're all they're all just her giving instructions to create crafts she's like really into watching all these other videos of kids doing instructional videos and she really wants to do it her and our neighbor kid yeah her and our little neighbor girl uh they call themselves artsy and craftsy well that's so it's so adorable they are eight and nine years old and uh, they just have these like wacky like they're just Sophia's creations in her brain like these weird little things she glues and tapes and this safety would be my new together. favorite YouTube channel. I'm she's hilarious. <laughs> she's so private. She's an introvert. She doesn't want to be in front of a crowd, but she feels safe behind the camera. So well, you don't have all this face of staring back at you. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Oh my anyway, so I don't oh know how God. I got off on that tangent, but I really need to focus some energy on my daughter's YouTube channel. She really wants to do this. <laughs> I have a student that's really good on crafts. I mean, I'm surprised because every time I see him, he, he created something else, something with either just rolling up paper in a certain way to make a superhero or a villain or using aluminum foil. Yeah, and that's my daughter. I'm always She's like, always making wow. something. Yeah. I taught my daughter how to sew, and I apparently created a monster because when I (laughs) normally the girl that the kids, except for the youngest one, um, normally the older kids all do their own laundry. Mm -hmm. I don't see that often. And speaking of being really busy, I usually leave the house before my daughter has to go to the bus, so I don't know what she's dressed like when she goes to school. (laughs) So I don't see her clothes that often. Mm -hmm. So I was helping her do laundry the other day because I just. You know, so I'm like, throw in some of yours to finish this load out. And I start noticing, like, she has been cutting up all of her clothes and altering them and making them into other stuff. I love it. And I like it on the one hand. On the other, I'm just like, am I going to get a call from the school because you don't meet dress code? Excuse me, I want to talk to you about your child. Are you cutting up her clothes? How old is she? She's 12. Awesome. That's awesome. That's so cute. It is. Uh, I, lo- I love it. I love that your kids are creative, cool. you know? Ugh. That, yeah. I want to keep that spirit alive in her for as long as possible. She's right. so creative. See, my parents kind of killed that. <laughs> and so I'm just now getting back to it. Because I, I, I tell people all the time, I have burned more art than the world will ever see yeah. of, my, of my work. I seriously, because I just get to the point where sometimes I just feel like I can't let other people see this because of the how negative they were when I was a kid mm-hmm. about it, that I would literally yeah. take it out and burn it. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on not doing that anymore. Yeah, Sophia's super <laughs> yeah. hard on herself mm-hmm. in that way. I'm probably too hard on her sometimes. And I know uh, she went through me losing my mom when she was four. And there was a lot of time that la- that first year after she died that I was just not the mom I should have been. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was dealing with too much on my own to be the mom to her that she probably needed, unfortunately. Okay. Right. Um, but I think she developed an empathetic soul during that. I mean, she would see me at four years yeah, old. Yeah, because she's seeing you go through that grief. Yeah, she at four years old, she'd Aww. see me from across the room start to cry and she would run to me and pat me on the back and hug me like she just is her instinct to comfort you know so I don't know why I'm on that tangent but (laughs) we're talking about our kids and ambition over my daughter (laughs) and you both do something that I have never been able to do but that I would that I want to do you make music Oh. I do get to play. I do get to play a radio, so I've always wanted. To. So I really love it when I'm around people who can, who can do that. Oh, what do you what do you do? How did it start? <laughs> I wanted to learn. To, I wanted to learn how to play an instrument. I didn't get to learn till college, unfortunately, because in school when you got to pick your courses, I always wanted to take a course where I would learn an instrument, but they go by last names. And since my last name, they would go alphabetically, my last name is near the bottom of the alphabet, I would always get the leftover classes and I would get music appreciation, where Uh. I would just listen to music and go, that's good, yeah, that's great, (laughs) perfect. You wanted to create one of them. I took piano in college. That was the first time I finally got to play an instrument. And it was funny because the teacher kept, uh, we started with the basics, placement of hands, and then like playing like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and stuff like that. And once you felt like you mastered the piece, you had to play it for him and then he would give you the next assignment. 
And every time I would go up and play for him, he would go, okay, have you had any training? And I'm like, no. And he was like, so you've never had a private instructor? No. So you've never played in school or anywhere? And I'm like, those, like, the little, you remember, do you ever remember those little storybooks that had the sheet music? They were, like, hand-sized and a little keyboard? Yep. Uh-huh. Play? Yep. I played with those That's all the time when I was a I kid. Yeah. And I taught myself, I that like, some basics. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I taught myself basic piano when I was little, just because. So it had like a keyboard. That's what I did. Yeah, had like a picture and it had like C D E F G A B C. Like they had the keys labeled and like it matched your keyboard and it would tell you where to play it the pattern. And so I kind of taught myself. Yeah, I did the exact same thing. Oh, that's cool. Interesting. Now I want one of these books. Told him, other than that, I had no experience. So eventually, he took me out of the book, and he started giving me actual classical music to play. Hmm. Um, and since I love music, I love sound. I always said, like you, um, I would ask my me and my friends to get into weird discussions, like if you had to lose one sense, which one would it be? And I was like, I would lose sight if I had to because I could not lose my ears. Yep, I have yeah, to be able absolutely. to hear. I have to hear music. I have to hear the nuance and words, the sound of people's mm. voices, the yes. sounds of animals and nature. I have to have that. Absolutely. I could do no sight, but sound I must have. And I just decided I was listening to instrumental music, which I'm a very big fan of, just instrumental music like chill hop and everything. And I was like, you know what? I should try and start making some. And then I just started goofing off on GarageBand on the Mac. And then I started branching out and making more. Oh my God, you and I need to talk. Uh, I'm a singer-songwriter. Yeah, I'm not trained, uh, but I did the exact same thing with the piano kit when I was a kid. I played the French mm-hmm. horn for like one year, and oh, I was really? like, this is stupid. I don't want a fucking French horn. My dad got me that instrument because it was like the freebie instrument, you know? Oh. And I didn't want to play the fucking French horn. Fair. Uh, and like... Uh, but I wanted to play guitar, uh, and I sang from the time I was little. I have always been a singer, and uh, you know I would sing the national anthem during high school football games. I have like big lungs, and I already, I had big voice then, but my my voice is much bigger now. <laughs> uh, but I've always had a big voice, you know, and and like kept getting told to sing in my high voice, and you know, and, and then finally I just owned my own voice and. Now I write my own music, and it's all by ear. I don't know how to read music when I play guitar, uh, but, you know, I can play rhythm really, really well, <laughs> and I can write a clever hook, and so I have, you know, uh, albums worth of original music, at least, and uh, I'm about to record with my band, um, but now that I've been doing it more seriously uh, in the last, like, year and a half or so, I'm looking for more collaborative opportunities so <laughs> all that being said I would definitely yeah we should talk some of your off. music and make something that would be amazing yeah that would be fun I have actually I have my Yamaha uh portable grand uh keyboard and I have a guitar because I've been trying to learn guitar because that's the other one I want to learn so I've been trying to teach myself <laughs> awesome well, let's, let's, we'll stay in touch. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sounds fun. I just love creating. That's Me too. what I think people are missing in school is that creative avenue for expression. I mean, oh, I yeah. was writing Have from to create a child at home. Yeah. and I used to get a lot of weird looks because I'm always, I've always been a fan of horror movies. So one of my short stories, we would write short stories and then people would select the best story. Of course, when you're that age, typically, depending on the environment, like I was in Florida, it's usually the most popular. So, of course, the the white girl who wrote the story about a town full of cats, how inventive, got the (laughs) award. My short story was a kid on Halloween who Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Jason Voorhees are all fighting to see who gets to kill this kid on Halloween in his house. That was my short story. I would hate to watch that movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. and then I, I would show people my stories, I would show them my poems, and then I stopped around high school because when I was writing poetry, I always leaned towards the very dark. Mm-hmm. And when I would show teachers, they would pull me out of class and go, is there something you want to tell me? Right. Like, what, what? You wrote about a girl being sexually abused. I'm, I'm not abused. I've never been sexually abused. You sure? I, why'd you write it? 
it's a poem. Mm-hmm. What, what, what else do you want me to tell you? It's the poem I came up with. And you're empathetic and you could relate to a situation that right. didn't happen to you, which is, I yeah, think, something people don't always understand when you have empathy. If, <laughs> if right. you think about it quite honestly, almost all of us know many females who have either a story of physical, sexual, some form of abuse. We oh, all absolutely. have those stories. Absolutely. And at, everyone at points, I know. we've all gone through it. Yeah. So it's not... It's never going to be out of thin air. It may not be my particular story, but I could name five other people who had an experience like that. Right. And so we have that connection. We understand that. And then I didn't put any of the stuff I wrote online half the time because I didn't want the black back, the criticism, the hate. And I almost got discouraged from not writing and publishing on Medium because a friend of mine uh, was basically telling me that, basically telling me I'm not dark enough. So since I'm not dark-skinned enough, I need to be quiet because dark-skinned women are going to come after me and they're going to hate my guts. What was, her, was like, do you know what wow. her, um, what led her to that conclusion? Because it seems like that article wasn't even... What was the article on? I don't remember. Which article was that one when that came well, out? Well, not the white passing, but the one on racism. Because she was, was just like, racism. you know, you're saying, she said, you're basically saying what's already been said by black women. And they're going to get mad because if you get the spotlight, you know, you're not dark enough and you're taking away from, like, black women. And I'm like, first one, I'm part black. If you think I haven't heard racial slurs like the N-word, you're out of your mind. I've heard it. Two, the same thing with tutoring or teaching. Just because one person explains it well and 80 people get it, the other 20 might not. There's right. nothing wrong with explaining the same argument in different ways until it sticks. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I honestly think this is a reflection of the Trump time because it is. my anger toward white people has increased since the election. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of resentment, especially now that my neighborhood is becoming more gentrified. I'm just like, Jesus, they're everywhere and all my mom and pop shops are leaving and they've been in this neighborhood like 20, 30 years and now going out of business because the prices have now gone up right. for the real estate here. Um, Where exactly are you located? I'm in Queens, New York. Okay, so okay. I wasn't and sure what neighborhood. Making but, their okay. way here. Yeah, my, I have family in Brooklyn. Ooh! Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I used to live in different parts of Brooklyn. I, I've lived all over in New York. I've lived mostly Brooklyn and Queens, of course. I'm going to so be there in March. Time. I'll have to, we'll have to meet up. Yes, that would be so great. Yeah, that would Definitely be awesome. Definitely let me know when you're here. I will. I, I will. That would be a blast. Yeah. I could use the vacation. I'll just take the whole week off and hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm likely going to bring vacation. I'm likely going to bring my nine-year-old daughter, so it's a it's a little vacation. That's you're welcome okay. to hang out with us. <laughs> that is okay. I am a fan of kids. I'm a fan of games. She's awesome, so, too. Like, she... one of my students that I work with, he's like, every time he does well, we play Fortnite together. She's very happy about Awesome. It. Which awesome. is the thing like, to did do I earn right Fortnite? I yes, haven't exposed her to that. I mean, I kind of want to. I don't know. I know I'm... nothing about it. The only reason my kids have video games is because my baby daddy, when he was living with us, bought a damn Xbox. I know nothing <laughs> about it. I hate them. Up until that time, none of my older kids ever had video games. I don't let Sophia watch very much TV. Like, the TV's just not on at mm-hmm. home, so, because I don't want it to, like, I want her to be creative. Yeah. So. Well, I I think also to an extent it's what your parents are into because I know both my parents were very big on music. My mom actually was a DJ. She used to have like a like one of those old school DJs with the turntable. She had like a collection over her six seven hundred albums. So I was always very big on music in my younger years. And both my parents were into games like Pac Man, Miss Pac Man, all (laughs) that stuff. They were completely. They were playing Atari, Centipede. So. That kind of followed me over. The only thing that changed is um, I now limit my time on games because I know they're addictive. And Fortnite is very addictive. It would be even more addictive if I actually knew how to put those the steps to escape <laughs> knew how being to shot it. at. Right. But how old are you? <laughs> I am 39. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just recognized all those <laughs> Sorry, so I'm like, she's yeah. got to be close to our age, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so I played like the Sonic. I played Contra. I played this weird hamburger game where you had to make burgers and like throw salt and pepper on like the hot dogs trying to kill you. He's trying um, to kill you? <laughs> I think that would give me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I just. 
Maybe a vegetarian at least. <laughs> if anything could, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I think, you know, when you're younger, you don't like a lot of the stuff that your parents do or your parents are into, but when you get older, you start to slowly go back to the stuff that they like. Thank God. So, Hopefully, Sophia, I'm making her start piano on Monday, actually. Oh, nice. I bought her oh, keyboard, and it's, you know, full 88 keys, weighted uh, keyboard. Spent too much money on it, starting her it's piano really lessons on Monday, because she's got a natural rhythm, she's got a voice, and she's smart, and I know she can learn piano, and I oh, regret it, awesome. and I want to give that to her. I, she'll appreciate it someday, yeah. even if she doesn't like to do yeah, it right she, now. I I'm making her do it. <laughs> My mother played piano and mm -hmm. sang, and I always wanted to play piano, but we weren't allowed to touch the piano, because we might tear to something be, up. So I also want her to be my future bandmate. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be so cool. I always wanted to learn instruments when I was younger, so yeah. Yeah. She'll appreciate it. Well, she sees me play the guitar and sing all the time. And, you know, she wants to learn guitar. She wants to learn how to play. I've got a specific song I've written that, you know, part of it's about her. Aww. And she loves that song so much and wants to learn how to play it. She's got a little guitar and kind of, like, I've shown her a few chords, you know, but I don't have the musical theory knowledge behind mm. my skill. And right. I want her to have that. So if it's something that she wants to pursue, she's going to be creative and I don't want to push her into fucking like law degree or some shit right. like I got pushed into yeah. when at heart I'm just a creative soul Same. and would have rather okay. done something else yeah <laughs> I always wanted to play the guitar maybe I'll go back to it I stopped trying about 15 years ago when my aunt died I also stopped singing I haven't sang in public I think I've sang once now since I don't since think she I died. knew you sang I used the to. Only My voice is so ever... weak now. It would take a lot of work to get back to singing. But yeah, I, <laughs> I sang in uh, with a small group a few back in the summer. That was the first time I had sang in public in, in 15 years since she. What'd you say? I don't even remember what we were singing. We were all <laughs> sitting around the campfire, and one of our friends was playing the guitar. Oh, I do know what it was. It was landslide. Oh. And oh, then, I love that song. Yeah. I'll play it for you and you can sing. <laughs> I love that song. That was one of my favorites. I mean, I mean, I love Stevie Next Fleetwood Mac anyway, so. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's my yeah. genre when I play. Like, I sound a little bit like Stevie. Um, <laughs> that's, that's great then, because I, I, I love that. I, 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 I know my voice sounds like a freaking 12-year-old. <laughs> I oh, always sound like a kid, and I always try to make my voice deeper. Even before I got on the phone with you guys, I was like, should I deepen my voice and go like, hey, <laughs> this dark sky <laughs> You sound fine. Yeah, I've got it. I know I've got a deep voice. <laughs> I feel, I don't know. I, I don't like I listening had that to us, because I sound voice. weird. Because you guys sound like women. Like, it's amazing. And my voice, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to hear it. It's so oh, awful. none of us like the so, sound of our own voice. Yeah, I think we're all just hypercritical because yeah. you don't sound you don't sound like a child to us. I mean, <laughs> I thank God. I don't like the sound of my own voice, and I don't think it's conceited to say that I know I've got a really great voice, and I don't like the sound of my own voice. Right. Like it's hard for me. To, I sound a little different when I sing. It's a little easier to listen to my songs, but just to hear myself talk. Like, on the podcast, like, it's not always the most enjoyable. I can't wait to singing. hear your singing voice. Oh, well, I will send you some tracks. Great. Yeah, I got some. Thank I'm you. on iTunes. You can, you can find we'll some of our stuff on there. We'll have to send her some links. Definitely. I'll even, like, probably buy some of them. Oh. I'm always about supporting. Now I don't, I, I make a pointed effort not to buy books or go to movies half the time or anything else when it's, when I know that the majority of people getting my money are white people. I make a concerted effort to go straight toward supporting minorities because I don't think uh, there's enough support there. Oh yeah, that's true. Now, if, and I, I try to do the same around uh, Oklahoma City's art scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to a comedy contest last night and didn't mind paying the fifteen dollars because I knew it was going directly to the the competition they were having and yeah. actually yeah. going to give a thousand dollars away to a comic like that's huge well, for good. Oklahoma you know like there's just awesome. not a lot of uh, but the art scene is trying to grow and there are a few minorities and a few women in comedy and I'm one of the few you know non-white girls doing the singer-songwriter thing with a band behind them and 
So it's, I don't know, I want to book some shit elsewhere. Like, I'm going to come to New York. I'm going to try to book a weekend gig there or something. There you go. <laughs> I would love Felina. to see you perform live. Awesome. That would be even more awesome. You, you've got you've to gotta let her know when you, your dates when you're going out there so she can look for an open mic night for you. Yeah. <laughs> you guys yeah. can go out together. <laughs> yes, we'll make this happen. Yes. That, the whole um, thing of it. I'm and I'm going to be, like, it. videoing you, too. Fuck like, yeah. Yes. Friends. I know her. That's right. An autograph is $20. <laughs> Get a van. Put her in charge of your merch right there. <laughs> we just need to collaborate before then, and then you're going to be performing with me. I think that's perfect. Oh, my God. I'll have, like, a heart attack on stage. It takes me a while to get comfortable. Everyone thinks, because I am a talker, but depending on my audience, I get quiet until I get comfortable. And yeah, that's okay. Just, like, this, I'm the wallflower, like, in the corner, like, don't approach me, don't talk to me, I don't know any of you. Hey, it's great to share the stage with someone else, because for the longest time I was a solo artist, and then just in the last year or so I've had bandmates, and it's so great to share the stage, it has boosted my confidence so much, and uh, now I'm much more comfortable when I do perform solo, because it just playing with other people really boosted my stage presence and my confidence, so... Sharing the stage is a different experience if you've not done it. It, it. it certainly takes the edge off of all the pressure being on you. That's something, at least, because yeah. it takes me a while to get comfortable. I mean, there's so many different things that I do, um, like music, writing. Um, I like taking pictures. I'm no good at art. Six <laughs> figures is the only thing I can do. Everyone else in my family got that skill set, the artwork. Mm. My mom is great at art painting everything she's amazing um the other thing I like doing because like I said I like creating stuff so I make purses I knit and crochet purses oh cool and awesome. scarves and hats and everything that's awesome I love it that's amazing yeah I love it because I just I think it's more when you see stuff out there and you're like I this, there needs to be something unique there needs to be something new you know I it like gives you purpose unique. to create something that didn't exist before and that yeah. is really incredibly fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's mm-hmm. another reason why I've become a happier person in the last yeah. year is because I'm creating something. And that's a skill I want to teach mm-hmm. my, my daughter. That's that's a skill that's missing from being taught in, in schools. I it mean, is. It's a in, lot. And in a lot of homes now, too, because yeah. a lot of the generation yeah. before us didn't get taught that either and so it wasn't passed down yeah so and I think that's important creating new things and even I like repurposing old things that you know giving it new life like this right here this most people would say I was etching the glass this morning (laughs) people underestimate the sense of fulfillment you get when you create something because there even when I was in college and when I was tutoring I took I tutored in college and I would tell I would ask students that I would have there too because I always I always try and connect with my students about what's going on in the world about what they feel what they like and I would ask them like what's your major and they would go accounting and I'm going oh you love that and they're like no and I'm like why are you doing it because like, the money's there right see and I have never them, heard people tell us to do something you love ever yeah I'm, always I'm the like, money's there the, that's what you need to do that's why I was one lawyer, of the yeah. things Same. you need to think about hate it. the most Hate it. Is that it's when worse. you pick a career, you're going to be spending a lot of hours mm-hmm. with that career. If it's not something you love, you're going to likely burn out a lot faster, mm-hmm. especially if it's a full-time gig. Right. And I've also met students who I tutored who were back to get a new degree because they went for accounting or a, or, mm-hmm. or a doctor or a lawyer, and then they realized that they were doing it just for the money and they were miserable. And now they're back in school getting a degree in something they're passionate about. Right. I miss journalism. I, like, I, I was, have an undergrad degree in journalism and public relations, and then I went to law school, and I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? Like, I should have just continued <laughs> with what I was doing. I wasn't making enough money, and I was, you know, about to be a single parent. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go to law school so I can make more money, right. so I can be the responsible parent, take care of my family, because it's going to be just me. And now I'm like $180,000 in debt. Right. And... And, like, if I would have just stayed in the career I was at, I'd be making the same amount of money now. Mm-hmm. You know? And I wouldn't have this yeah. debt. Yeah. They don't tell you these things. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. That's the advice I give anybody who's, like, trying to figure out what the fuck to do with their lives. I'm like, no, 
don't go to law school. Right. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, for a while, my mom wanted me to uh, to go to law school to be, uh, what do you call it? What's the name? Uh, my God. It's basically the one who argues for a company. Just basically just like company law. In-house counsel? Okay. I think so. And I was just like, just because she was like, you love to argue. And I was like, I do love to argue. <laughs> and then as I was in school and I started doing, looking more and more of the studies and numbers um, for future lawyers and ratio to how many lawyers are finishing school to how many. And, and I was like, I wouldn't want to represent somebody who would stun me either. I'm very picky. Like I call a state a state. So if it's a horrible company, I'm going to be like, well, I'm not going to help you. You should sue them and get all their money because they're bad people. So go ahead and take them to court. I'm just going to go out now. So I realized it wasn't, it really wasn't for me right and same as i realized eventually that like jobs where you're seeing your boss day in and day out not for me not for you (laughs) i just i speak my mind and then all i have people is telling me carmen you're gonna get in trouble and i'm like why they're a jerk i just told them they're a jerk i didn't say it in a bad way i just right i was just stating facts i don't know why people get so upset about this i don't know why you're getting so upset what is the big deal so (laughs) now i'm like it's much better now because usually I usually have a great relationship with my students I have a great relationship with the parents I don't have to deal with the politics of you know you shouldn't say this or you should say this nicely or you shouldn't be so forceful or so blunt I've had that conversation one too many times of you're too loud you know you you're you're too you're too uh confrontational in I've the had, job, you're uh, too this. Yeah, yeah. I had my old boss at a firm tell me that I needed to soften my approach. <laughs> an old male attorney who's like a fucking bulldog tells me I need to soften. I'm like, I get right. why. Because you're a woman. Because I'm a woman. Supposed to be strong. And I'm not supposed to be as aggressive as you. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you, motherfucker. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I hate that conversation or I hate, and, 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 and especially because of being in the United States, I think it's not so much that, you know, we're confrontational, it's just because of the social niceties that we're taught and we're right. not playing that game, we're yeah, seeing, our, our honesty is seen <laughs> as attacking. Point. Yeah. True. And that's where the problem is. So I'm like, maybe I don't need to change. Maybe you need to change and just tell me what you really think. Because I, 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 um, even in college, I called out a teacher because um, I had missed a lot of classes. And I explained to him what the problem was. And he wanted documented proof. So I brought the proof. He mm-hmm. said he needed it for his record. Brought the proof. And then he wouldn't even look at it. He was like, oh, it's fine. I said, you know, if you just wanted to say that you thought I was lying, you could have just said it. I wouldn't right. have taken offense. Oh and he was like, oh, no, I'm not trying to. I said, no, you are, because you claimed that you needed this for your record. I bring it, and you're not even looking at it. I wouldn't have gotten offended. You don't know me. You probably get stories from students all the time. If you'd have just said, look, I don't know you, bring in the proof, because you could just straight up be lying. I would have had more respect for you had you just done that than to make me waste my time bringing in the paperwork just, to, just with a lie, basically. Right. You could have just been honest. I would have said, okay, you're right. You don't know me. I'll bring in the proof. Well, there seems to be a problem with that in this country, doesn't there? <laughs> yeah. No. We can't that just own true. our shit. We and just have to lie about it. Even with race issues, I would rather a person point blank yes. tell me that you're racist. Right. Don't beat around the bush and try and hide it. And nobody just thinks you're a racist. what it is. So I know what <laughs> I'm dealing sliding with. scale racist. I'm not racist, but. Yeah. Sliding yeah, scale racist. Yeah, I love that. I love that line. I, I don't want to sound racist, but you're about to sound racist. Right. Continue. Like, just drop I that phrase. Coming. We're good. We know what's happening. I was like, do you really think that just saying that automatically negates anything you say after as yes. being true as racist? Yes, they it do. Doesn't. They do think that, just like the way Southern people say, bless your heart, instead of, oh, you're an idiot. They really think that's somehow nicer, even though we all know what they're really saying. Bless your heart. Oh, my. Yes, yes. Bless your heart. (laughs) Okay, so how can people keep up with you and your creative endeavors? Um, Well, uh, they can find my music on Bandcamp. under Dark Sky Lady. They follow me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram under Dark Sky Lady. And on Medium, I think I'm on Dark Sky Lady, though I'm not 100% sure. Yes. I believe I am, though. Yes, that's how you're listed, because that's what your bio says. <laughs> I think the only thing I'm not Dark Sky Lady under is Tumblr, because somebody already took it on oh, there. Oh, okay. Darn it. 
And I don't use Tumblr anymore. I haven't been on Tumblr in probably a couple years now. Yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter, and then if I remember to take a picture when I'm out or a selfie, then I'll (laughs) post it on Instagram, but I'm usually forgetful. The most you'll see is nature shots, because I'm a very big fan, especially as the leaves are changing, and my cat. You'll like my Instagram, then. That's all that's on there. What's your Instagram? I'm looking you up right now. uh, Dark Sky Lady. Okay. I was trying to find you on Bandcamp first. I I can send you the link. I have it. Okay. Yeah, and I'll send you my Bandcamp. There we go. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. You guys have a great day. You too. We're going to finish up the episode with a song called All In from her electronic instrumental album, which you can find on Bandcamp. Just search Dark Sky Lady. Instagram and Facebook at Broke Broken Podcast.